playing before uh, service started, the lady playing the guitar. You guys saw that on the massive screen behind me? Okay, um, so that is Olivia Buckles. Um, Lord willing, she will be here uh, for, for the IF gathering. And then she's also going to lead our music uh, Sunday morning, too. So um, that will be very cool. She is um, the... Uh, the, she's been a worship leader at the International House of Prayer, uh, which is a ministry that um, has night and day prayer, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, with, with live music and singing and praying. Uh, and they've been doing that um, 24-7 since September of, of 1999, okay? So we've done several 24-hour prayer vigils in our church, okay? They've been doing that every day. Since 1999, the Lord Jesus has been receiving worship uh, and prayer from a little room in Kansas City. And uh, anyway, we're just pumped she's going to be uh, with us. Okay, heavy stuff today, but but good stuff. Acts 17, verse 2. Uh, as usual, because Paul is a Jew, and this is what Jews do. As usual, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned uh, with the people in the synagogue from the Scriptures explaining and proving it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead, saying, this Jesus I'm proclaiming to you, he's, he's your Messiah, okay? He's not a new thing, he's, he's yours. Jump down to 22, now he's out of a synagogue and in the middle of, of a pagan, uh, pagan, not a synagogue, but thing. And he says, people of Athens, the God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth, and he does not live in shrines, Made by hands, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives life and breath and all things. For from one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and boundaries where they live. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) Uh, He did this. Why? Why did Genesis 11 and 12 happen? He did this so that they might seek God. And perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. Verse 30. Therefore, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has set a day by which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And he has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. This is God's word. Paul's incredibly based, right? He just stands up and says, this is um, how things are. So uh, we're starting today what will be, Lord willing, uh, 10 weeks on the message and the mission of, of our church. Okay, What is our message? What are we saying? What news are we announcing to the world? Right? Pretty important that we nail that down. And we're in agreement on what we're telling the world. For the apostles, it was the day of the Lord, the restoration of all things. It was the hope of the Messiah. It was the cross and and repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And these three things are confirmed by an empty tomb, right? That guy's not in the grave anymore. Therefore, all these things we're saying are true. And so when Jesus commissions his disciples to go into all the world and, and school the Gentiles in this message, this is what they're saying, okay? These things confirmed by the resurrection of the dead. And then based on that message, right, a message with a, a, a clear and simple end game, the age to come, and a simple way to win that game, faith in the cross, okay, what was their mission? 
How did they live and what did they give themselves to in light of the coming day? What kind of lifestyle flowed out of, of, of these guys who have believed this gospel, mes- gospel message? And it's three things. They live their lives in worship, okay, which is love, trust, and loyalty, fidelity to God alone. Discipleship, walking on the narrow path and encouraging others in that thing. And evangelism. Bearing witness to this gospel, to this message of the cross before the day uh, in their words, because it is a message, and in their deeds, their lifestyle, back this thing up. So, that was their message, and that was their mission, the cross before the day, and worship, discipleship, and evangelism. Should that not be ours as well? Okay? No need to reinvent the wheel. They, They got a good wheel here. We're just going to... Use it. So that's what this um, series is about, the message and the mission um, of the church. And as it concerns the message, right, what they're saying, everything they're saying is here in Acts 17. Okay, what we just read. So verse 31, there's the day of the Lord. Verse 3 and 31, there's the Messiah. Verse 3, 30 and 31, there's the cross and the repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then verse 3 and 31, the resurrection confirming all of these are true. It's all there. Okay, it's really simple, really easy. Paul walks into a pagan uh, auditorium, and this is what he says. He starts with then proclaiming uh, the day of the Lord. Verse 30, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance. Okay, because they're, they're Gentiles. They don't know anything. Okay, they just are, are clueless. We don't know what the future is, so let's eat, drink, be merry, because tomorrow, who knows, right? We die. Let, like, that's it. They don't know anything, so Paul... Brings them back and says, therefore, having overlooked those times of ignorance, God now, right, today, commands all people everywhere to repent because, why? He has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness. Okay? God has set a day. So what is that day? That's what I want to look at um, today. And I really just want to look at all the bad parts about it. Okay? If you come back next week, we'll look at all the good parts of the day of the Lord. But today, it's just bad news. All right, it's just bad stuff. So, what is the day? Uh, it's a, I'm glad Omega came for this one. <laughs> Omega makes fun of me because I talk about the day of the Lord so much. Deal with it. All right. What is the day of the Lord? It's the concept. It first shows up in in the garden. God appears to to Adam and Eve in a storm. Oh, you're tired of this too, aren't you, Jared? We're working through the day of the Lord. <laughs> God, God appears after Adam and Eve uh, rebel. He appears in the garden, and, and the, the writer of Scripture says he appears with a sound, right? It's a loud of a friend who translates it. He, the storm of the Lord shows up in the Garden of Eden. It's picked up again at Sinai, Exodus 19. God appears with thunder and lightning, a, a thick cloud on the mountain, a very loud uh, trumpet blast, what Stoney read in, in Psalm 18 this morning. So you've got these images of God from the height of the heavens coming and, and visiting mankind to deal with them, right? To, to deal with their sin and their pride. And so uh, Genesis, Exodus 19, then the prophets take this concept of, of the Lord's awesome uh, visitations and they just expand on it, right? And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger to communicate God is going to come and deal with wickedness. God is going to come and deal with sin and pride. And it's not just the prophets. We're going to read a lot from the prophets today. But it's not just the prophets. The apostles use the same language because Jesus did. Okay, So uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. This is Paul 
Brothers and sisters, you don't need anything written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come. Okay? And then after Jesus is raised from the dead, ascended to the height of the heavens, they start to use other names for it. But they all mean the same thing. Luke 17, Jesus says, the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Second Peter, the day of God. Jude 6, the great day. Ephesians 4, the day of redemption. That's a positive one. We'll do that next week. First Peter 2, the day of visitation, Philippians 1.10, the day of Christ. And they pick it up more and they say it's the day of Christ's coming, 1 Corinthians 15. It's the day of his appearing, 1 Timothy 6. It's the day of his revealing. Well, for the day of the Lord is near. Right? <laughs> this is revealing. She's just, uh, that's Isaiah 13. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, so they just, you got the language, the day, this day, the day of Christ, dot, dot, dot. And then sometimes it's just the day with no descriptor because it's in everyone's minds. Like they know what they're talking about. So Jesus, Matthew seven twenty two, Sermon on the Mount, build your house on rock. The day goes well for you, build it on sand, not on that day. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, Matthew 26, we read this. Almost every week, I tell you, the Last Supper, Seder, I tell you I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That one's positive. I tell you, Luke 10, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. So that's what Jesus talks about. The apostles, 1 Corinthians 3, each one's work will become manifest for the day. We'll disclose it. Romans 2, this will take place, judgment of God, on that day. When God judges people's secrets. 2 Thessalonians 1. When he comes on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people. 2 Timothy 4. This is a positive one, but I had to. We'll do it next week. It's just awesome. He says, there's laid up for me, Paul, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me when? On that day. Not only to me also, but also to all of you who have loved his appearing. Okay, so it's, just, it's a big deal. Like you, it, it's over and over and over and over. The prophets, the Jesus, the apostles. This day is like the only thing that matters to them. Every letter, every prophecy, every oracle. This is what they're talking about. So Paul, after the resurrection and the ascension and giving of the Spirit from Jesus, Paul walks into um, this place and says, "Simply repent." Turn from your sins because the day where God comes to settle accounts is coming. It's coming for you guys, right? He said, you guys are the kids that have acted up and dad is coming home to make things right. To reward righteousness, to punish wickedness. Does everyone have that clear, easy? Like I could just stop here if we've got it. I won't, but we could. So, again, there's, there's positive connotations of the day that we'll look at next week. But the overall picture of the day of the Lord, especially in the prophets, is very dark. It's very dark for those who have set themselves against the Lord and his anointed. For those who do not heed Paul's message, our message, to repent, therefore. Does that make sense? Dad's coming home. If you've acted up, he's going to fix it. He's going to make it right. All right. So that that's the flavor since Genesis three and man's rebellion against the Lord. History has has gone a certain way. Okay. 
Things have looked a certain way. Mankind has not given glory and honor that's due to God. And, and, and we have devalued and we have wrecked what God, Genesis 1, says is very good. We've messed that stuff up. That's how history has gone. But on the Lord's day, God will come from heaven in flaming fire and reverse the trajectory of things. Okay, And God will come and history will change. Things will look very different after that day than they do before it, and it will change for the better for the repentant righteous. So come back next week, okay? Change for the better for them, and it will change for the worse for the unrepentant wicked. Isaiah 2, the Lord of hosts has a day that is against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and it shall be brought low, and the haughtiness of man shall be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. This is why Paul pleads with the wicked. This is why we plead with the wicked to repent. Because the day of the Lord is terrible for the unrighteous. And it's terrible in three specific ways. That's what I want to work through today. First, God's royal wrath will be satisfied. Second, God's righteous judgments will be assigned. And then God's punishment for lawlessness will be meted out. So we're going to get really depressed here for like 20 minutes, okay? All right. The first, the day of the Lord is a day of royal wrath. Okay. God is angry as king of the universe. Psalm 29. He sits at the height of the heavens enthroned as king forever. Right. He made all the heavens and the earth. He is king and Lord over it. Therefore, creation is called to do the rest of Psalm 29 and ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory that's due his name. Like he, this is what's due him. He deserves this. Worship the Lord. Heavens, earth, angels, humans, worship the Lord in the splendor of his Holiness, okay? So if God is a real, actual king, right? Not like metaphorically or spiritually, a real king. God deserves and God demands respect and loyalty and allegiance. Like he's just overt about this. God God has no problem saying, you guys should worship me. You guys will worship me. He has no issue with that. Because it's good and it's right. Isaiah 45, it says, to me, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall um Swear allegiance. Paul's famous for it. Isaiah said it first, right? Every every time will confess that Jesus is Lord, okay? So what it means to, to swear fidelity and worship and allegiance to God is mean to, to love what God loves, to hate what God hates, and then to deem valuable what God deems as valuable, okay? Which, just for our purposes today, is human beings, okay? God loves human beings. He made them in his image. So ask the question, like, has this always been the case? This is how things have generally worked. Have human beings pledged allegiance and fidelity to God alone? Have, have we regarded as good and valuable what God regards as good and valuable? Just generally, right? Or even in your own life? No. Hasn't been the case. Rather, all humans, including Israel, have broken that, that first commandment and have committed treason by worshiping other gods not this one, not the, the true living God. And this rejection of God's kingship and lordship, this angers God. He's furious about these things. And, and first, in, in our lack of honoring and respecting and fearing God, th- this is what angers him. Okay, so uh, parents, you, know, you, know, you, ever, you ever had one of your children defiantly say no? What wells up inside of you? 
Just love for that kid. All right? Teachers, what are you filled with when one student mocks you in front of other students? Oh. <laughs> Bosses, how do you feel when an employee disrespects you? Guys, it's royal wrath. You're due honor and, and you're not getting it and that's wrong. And it's harmful and it causes breakdown uh, everywhere else. So that, that's first. God is angry. God is full of wrath for this day because humans have not honored him as they should. And second, God is angry and, and will come on this day because of what other humans have done to other humans. Okay? Like just read any history book from any time in any period and it's like we're just bad. We don't treat each other with love and respect and as image bearers. So God is not apathetic. Praise God that he's not apathetic uh, 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 towards humans hating each other. Like he's not okay with it or, or, or killing each other or using each other or taking advantage of each other. He's patient towards us in all of these things, which should cause you to be thankful. He's patient, but he's, he's furious about it. This is how the scriptures Describe it. Therefore, the day of the Lord is a day of royal wrath for those who have not honored God as king. And therefore, he will, Psalm 110, shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will, Isaiah 66, for behold, the Lord will come with fire, his chariots like the whirlwind. Why? Why? To render his anger in fury. That's just why he's coming and to rebuke. With flames of fire. So the wrath of the day of the Lord is to vindicate God's honor in the same way that the parent and the teacher and the boss are vindicated when that disobedient child or that mocking student or that disrespectful employee are punished. Right? The parents vindicated in that when dad comes home and whoops the kid for being disrespectful to mom, whose honor is vindicated? Parents. Right? It's the same thing. And so... After the day of the Lord, after God comes in flaming fire, God's name will not be mocked among the nations. Okay, His honor will not be disgraced, but instead, the whole earth, we will live in a, a Psalm 102 world where the nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth will fear his glory. And this song that we're, we're singing, uh, you will be seen as rightful king and from our hearts will say, That'll just be the reality of the earth. And I'll tell you, when everyone on the earth is being obedient to King Jesus, things will go much better. Right? right? <laughs> they will go much better. So the day of the Lord is a terrifying prospect for those who have not bowed their knee to their maker, who have not honored him and his ways, and who have not loved but hated those made in his image. Okay? For them, royal wrath on the day of the Lord is coming. And so our message is to... Those who have not bowed their knee, bow their knee, okay? To those who have mocked God, respect God, honor God, love God, give yourself in wholeheartedness to Him. And if you're here today and you're not doing any of those things and you're hearing about the day of the Lord and thinking, man, I would like to avoid that, talk to any member of our church. They can tell you what it means to repent, put your trust in Jesus, and have this day be a good day rather than a bad one, okay? Repent, therefore. The second Negative aspect of the day of the Lord is, is judgment. Okay? So in the same way that God is a real king, he's also a real judge. Therefore, as the judge, Psalm 75, it says, at that time that he has planned, what is the time that God has planned? Probably the day of the Lord, based on everything else we've read. 
At the time he has planned, he will bring justice as a judge against the wicked. Jeremiah 25, the Lord will bring charges against the nations. He will bring judgment on all mankind. And so this is what Paul says. God now commands everyone everywhere to repent. Why? Because he has set a day. And what is God going to do on that day? Judge the world by a man that he has appointed. Does that make sense? God is king, and he's angry that we've messed up his stuff. Second, God is judge, and so he's overseeing judgment for our crime of, of wrecking his world. Does that make sense? This means no, this means yes. Okay, all right. Third, then, God not only presses charges for sin, God is also the one who administers the punishment for the crime. Okay? So when the apostles and the prophets speak of the day of the Lord, this aspect, punishment, for wrongdoing, punishment for not honoring God, punishment for not loving God's image bearers. This this is central. So Isaiah uh, 13, probably the most famous day of the Lord passage in all of Scripture, says, Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. We had that earlier. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. So in, in the context of Isaiah 13, this is an oracle against Babylon, right? Babylon's come against Israel, and, and Isaiah prophesies, like the day the Lord's coming for you guys. But then everyone, every prophet after Isaiah, every apostle after Isaiah, Jesus picks up Isaiah 13, and they just keep using it over and over and over and over and pushing it into the future when it, the day of the Lord comes, not just for Babylon, but for the whole Earth. So he says, see, the day of the Lord comes, it's cruel with wrath and fierce anger to make the earth a desolation to destroy sinners from it. He says, I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their iniquity. So not for nothing, okay, for their sin, for their iniquity, I will put an end to the pride of the arrogant. I will lay low the insolence of tyrants. Therefore, verse 13, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will shake from its foundations at the wrath of the Lord of armies on the day of his burning anger. So it's a day of royal wrath, of righteous judgment, and now punishment. And it's not just punishment for wicked human beings, okay? Though that would be enough, but it's punishment for wicked powers and principalities, okay? God's going to punish demons on the day of the Lord. This is why when these judgments are poured out, the saints in Revelation are saying, Hallelujah. Because we're going to see demons run off the earth. You don't know what a world is like without demons. You can't imagine. <laughs> it's it's going to be the Claritin Clear commercial, right? You see things, and then it's taken off. It's like, oh, this is what it's like without demons. Okay? Because demons have fueled our evil, right? We're evil enough by ourselves. Demons pour gas on it and help us out. So Isaiah 24, on the day the Lord will punish, on that day the Lord will punish who? The host of heaven. New Living Translation, he will punish the gods in the heavens, in heaven and the kings on the earth. So humanity, we're we're not alone in not honoring God as king. We're not alone in, in wrecking what God has made. Powers, principalities, little g gods, Two have rebelled against their maker, and they too will receive punishment from God on that day. They will be, Isaiah keeps going, they will be gathered together as prisoners in a pit. They will be shut up in prison because he's a judge. Here's your sentencing. And after many days, they will be punished because he's also the punisher. Does that make sense?
And so after this, this punishment aspect of the day of the Lord, like they just hit it over and over and over, carries into the, the time of the apostles. So Second Thessalonians, Paul writes, God is just because he's the judge. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. He will give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when? When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. That's when they are paid back. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction, shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. When? Verse 10. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all who believe. Okay? Do you see? This seems like a really big deal in the Bible. Okay? Seems like really, 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 really important that the day of the Lord is central to everyone who hears. And I, like, it, it, it has to hit you with like, I, I, guys, I'm not the greatest communicator in the world. I totally understand that. Like, this has to hit you by the Spirit of God. Like, the Spirit of God has to hit your heart and say, that's a real day. God's not. The prophets weren't lying. The prophets weren't wrong. The apostles weren't lying. The the, the apostles weren't wrong. Jesus wasn't lying. He wasn't wrong. It's a real day that's really going to come for the world. And that means that nobody's getting away with anything. Right? Like, the human heart, we hate injustice. We hate to see something wrong, something sinful happen, and there be no recourse against it. Like, that causes just anger and passion to come up in our hearts. And I'm here to tell you, the prophets are here to tell you, no one's getting away with anything. Like, like nothing is getting swept under the rug. No one pulled a sleight of hand that God didn't see. You included. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 God sees it all. He's been angered by it all since Genesis 3. He's making a judgment of it all, and he will punish it all to make things right. Dad's coming home to fix it. This is the purpose of the day of the Lord. He has set a day, Paul says, to the pagans when he will judge the world in righteousness. And this is very, very, very bad news because that day, with its wrath, with its judgments and punishments, is coming for all of us. Okay? The day of the Lord is coming for you. Second Corinthians 5, Paul, Paul says, says it again in, in uh, Romans 10, that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And we've all done evil. Romans 3, right? We've all done evil. All of us have chosen sin and death. And therefore, on the day of the Lord, God's royal wrath is headed our way. And we'll be charged for our crimes and we will receive the punishment that is due us for our iniquity and for our sins. Colossians 3, Paul says, on account of our sins, the wrath of God is coming. Not coming for no reason. It's on account of our sins. So this is, the, the, this, this day is just central to the apostles' message. History will not go on like it's gone on forever. There's a day coming that everything will change. And that's really, really, really bad news for humans. It's really, really bad news for rebellious angels and principalities and powers. But, praise God, this is not the end of the apostles' message. Right? (laughs) Paul doesn't walk in, say that, and leave. There's a second part to it. 
It's not a simple message of doom for a sinful world. God is filled with righteous anger at the world, but God is also filled with wholehearted love for the world. Okay? And because of that love, God has provided, in the giving of His Son on a cross, God has provided an escape from the wrath on that day. God has provided a pardon for the judgments on that day. And God has provided an avoidance of punishment for that day. This is what the apostles say. And, And through the cross, through Jesus' cross, by trusting it, human beings can actually be saved from the wrath to come. Okay? Like, actually, like, this is First uh, Thessalonians 1.10. This is what he says, that Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. There's a way to receive salvation rather than judgment on that day, and it is through Jesus the Messiah. Okay? Hallelujah. If you're hearing it with ears to hear, you would turn cartwheels at this. It's the best news you've ever heard. The day of the Lord is coming with wrath and and judgments and punishments. And if you just put your trust in Jesus and his cross, you can avoid that and inherit eternal life. You know what I mean? Like, there's not better news than that. And so Paul, he only alludes to it here in Acts 17, but uh, seven chapters earlier in Acts 10, Peter makes it really clear. Acts 10, 42 and 43. He says, Jesus is appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. Which is what Paul says in Acts 17. That's, and that's bad news for all y'all. Like, that's bad news, but it's not the end of the message. Peter keeps saying, to Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him, everyone who trusts in him, everyone who says, no, what you've said about your life and your death and your resurrection is reliable, and I want to live and abide by it. To them, they will receive forgiveness of sins through his name. So Peter's saying, and Paul, you know, makes it bigger and and expands on it more, but it's all here. Jesus absorbs God's wrath that's meant for you on that day. Jesus stands in and takes the charges that are meant for you on that day. And Jesus takes on the punishment that we deserve on that day. He read Isaiah 53 this morning. Like It's just big neon sign that says you can avoid the day of the Lord by trusting in Jesus because he took our sins upon himself. This is good news. This, you you got to have this gospel or it's not what the apostles taught. You're just saying stuff. And you don't want to wake up early on Sunday and come here to just say stuff. We want to know the message that the apostles preached. And it's that there is a cross for the forgiveness of sins before the day of the Lord, before the judgment, before the charges, before the punishment. Therefore, Romans 5, 9, since we have been now justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God, parentheses, on the day of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for this. If I could have the musicians come up, I just, I just it's just, like, it's, it's not hard. I hope, I hope nothing I've said today is like complicated or simple. It's like humans have jacked stuff up. God is just and he's going to come and fix it. Very bad news. But God is also, because God is love, has provided a way in Jesus' cross for you to avoid that and receive eternal life rather than judgment. Is that just so easy and so clear, the cross before the day? Okay, it's got to be clear and easy to you because if it's not, you can't communicate it to other people. Right? We were talking about evangelism in Larry's class today. I think one of the main reasons that we don't evangelize is we're just kind of not sure about the message all the time. This is it. 
Things won't be this way forever. God's going to come and, and change and fix everything. That's good, but it's bad because you're part of the problem. Here's the cross, right? Here's the forgiveness of your sins. And then you just ask the Holy Spirit to... Okay. So to make it really easy, uh, uh, the author of John just put it in one little thing for us. John three fourteen and 16. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. We know later in John on a cross for the forgiveness of sins. That whoever believes in him, whoever puts their trust in him and his work, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his soon return. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. You're raised from the dead on the day of the Lord. Spoiler to next week, right? Raised from the dead to have eternal life. Why is this? Why, why are things this way? Why has God set it up to be like this? Verse 16, because God loved the world and he loved the world in this way that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish at the day of the Lord, right? <laughs> but have eternal life. Okay. And you'd be like, okay, well, how much does it cost? Here's the deal. <laughs> it's free. Okay? God just, God just did this because this is just how God is. And this is not how other gods are. Okay? Uh, we, we grew up hearing this our entire life, and we just think gods of love die on crosses. That's not how it is, guys. This is unique. This is, this is uh, unique to the God of Israel. This is how he has chosen to deal with humanity. He will be just. No one will get away with anything. Okay? But he's offered forgiveness for what we have done through the cross. This is the apostles' message. And, and we want to believe this thing in our hearts, in our, our mind, confess it with our mouth, Romans 10. We, we just want to be all about this. We want to move on from this, do something cooler. There's nothing cooler than being saved at the day of the Lord. Okay? We just want to give ourselves to this. So if you're here today and you hear all the wrath stuff and the judgment stuff and the punishment stuff and the cloud and fire and trumpet and legions of angels cracking the sky and all the day of the Lord imagery. And that sounds terrible to you. And you would rather inherit eternal life, rather get raised from the dead to a body that never decays and live in a world without sin and injustice and, and disease and all the other stuff in a world without death. If you want that. You can have it today, okay? You can sign up for this day early, okay? And so to do that, you can talk to any member of our church. They can tell you this. You can talk to me or any of our elders um, at, at any time, okay? Do it right now if you wanted to. That would be fine. But don't leave here today like not sure how the day of the Lord turns out for you. Leave here today confident in what Jesus has done for you before the day of the Lord. Okay? Okay. So let's stand. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to worship the Lord. And we're going to go into a time of prayer. Asking God to, to press this on our hearts and minds. Our branded into our our lives. So Father, we ask you. God, I first. Um, God, ask for just the reality of the, of the Lord's day. To be real to us. To not be a, a, a story to not be words, to not just like, oh yeah, Christians believe in, in day of judgment or whatever. No, we want this day to be real to us. We want this day to drive how we live, to, to drive how, how we interact with you, to drive how we interact 
um, with each other as as church members to drive how we interact with the lost God that we have a, an answer we have a solution we have we have a provision of protection for the Lord's day so just make it real God by the spirit come send your spirit now God we ask pour out your spirit in this room and make the day of the Lord real to us make it real to us And God, as as real as the day of the Lord is, I ask that you would make the reality of the cross for the forgiveness of our sins real. Not a fairy tale, not verses, not just songs, but real in our hearts. We have put our trust in the cross of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And therefore, at the day of the Lord, we will be saved from the wrath of God. In the name of Jesus, amen.